Hello and welcome back to another edition of A Trip Down Vicarage Road, the Watford podcast which aims to interview former coaches, players and managers about their time with the Hornets. I'm your host Bradley Hayden, a freelance sports journalist, but most importantly, a massive Watford fan for over the last 10 years. Thanks to all those who tuned into our recent podcast with Paul Robinson and if you missed that alongside our other episodes with the likes of Nigel Gibbs, Marvin Sordell, Micah Hyde, Tommy Smith, Gavin Mann and Lloyd Doyley among others, please feel free to head over to our SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast pages for some fantastic chats about with some Watford legends about their time at Vicarage Road and some memorable moments from that. So we're back with another podcast and this time we've been down to Queen's Park Rangers FC in the Championship. Obviously Queen's Park Rangers, they, they train in Harlington which is not a million miles away from Watford uh, and I've been down to Q to speak to their assistant manager who also happens to be a former Watford captain and I'm of course talking about John Eustace who can forget about John Eustace what a legend what a hero John of course joined from Stoke City in January 2008 after almost a year it could have worked out so differently for him of course because he was almost, he was farmed out on loan by Brendan Rodgers and if Brendan had had his way uh, and if he'd have stayed longer then John Eustace wouldn't have been with the club uh, the following summer so after a spell at Derby County uh, where where John scored against Watford obviously at Vicarage Road towards the end of that season uh, Brendan Rodgers left the club and Malky Mackay came in uh, and John went on to enjoy five years at Watford where he made almost 170 league league and cup appearances under Malky, Sean Dyche and lastly Jan Franco Zola. So on this week's podcast I'll chat to John about his coaching career at QPR and obviously We'll also bring up the fact that he was in interim charge of Queen's Park Rangers last year following Steve McLaren's sacking. Who can forget the ghost goal as well against Reading? Something that's always will be synonymous with Watford for all the wrong reasons, so I'll bring that up. We'll also chat about life under Malky Mackay, Sean Dyche and Gianfranco Zola. And it wouldn't be a chat with John Eustace if we didn't bring up his ability to score overhead kicks, wouldn't it? Who can forget those goals against Coventry and Barnsley? So I hope you enjoy this chat with John Eustace. John, thanks so much for agreeing to do this with me. You're obviously assistant manager down at QPR now. How, how much are you enjoying the coaching side of things at the moment? Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, I've um, been here for 18 months now and really enjoying it. Uh, well, great set of lads, obviously working for a top manager in Mark and also last season when I was here under Steve. So, you know, two real good managers that I'm learning every day from. You're working with someone who's familiar, obviously, with Watford fans as well, and Mark Warburton, who worked in Watford's academy. What's he like to work with? Yeah, he's great. You know, really enthusiastic. Um, you know, he's a good coach, great coach. I, I knew him back from Watford. He tried to sign me a couple of times as a player, which was nice. Rangers as well, didn't he? Yeah, Glasgow Rangers. And, um, you know, also when he was at Brentford, you know, we spoke. So... You know, he's um, he's a football man. Um, he's um, you know someone I, I respect a great deal. And, and as I said earlier, um, it's fantastic. Um, I'm learning from such a, an experienced man. And the coaching side of things is obviously something you've considered for a while because there was talk back at Watford in your last year that they wanted you to potentially have a player coach role there as well. Yeah, well, Jan Franco. Um, you know, when I when I left um, Watford, Jan Franco offered me a coaching role. Uh, I was 33. Obviously, I hadn't played the season before due to injury, but I still felt I had something to give. So, uh, to to stop to playing at 33, you know, it's a little bit too too early. And uh, ultimately, I was I was glad I didn't. In the end, I had two fantastic years at Derby, 
But um, yeah, no, Gianfranco offered me the, the, the chance to work at the club and you know, I was very grateful, but you know, I wanted to play. play. Yeah. And five years of Watford, how do you reflect on your time at the club? Yeah, five fantastic years. Uh, apart from the last year, obviously, um, with the change of um, owners and, and all the fantastic players coming into the club, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't be part of that due to injury, uh, which was really, really frustrating. But, you know, the four years previous to that, you know, four of the best years of, of my career. And what was it that persuaded you to join Watford in the first place as well? Um, well, I was at Stoke at the time and uh, I'd had uh, a couple of really bad injuries throughout my my time at Stoke and uh, I was into my last my last year of a contract um, and uh, it'd come to January time and, and Stoke were doing great. We were, I think, sixth or seventh Watford were top of the league at the time and uh, Watford um, offered me the uh, security of, a, I think it was a three-year deal at the time and, uh, you know, it was something I couldn't really turn down and because of my past with my injuries and whatnot, you know, so, you know, that's how it came across. And your first few months of Watford were fairly eventful, missing out on promotion in, in the playoffs, and then at the start of the following season, the uh, the ghost goal against against Reading. Can you still work out how that was given? No, not at all, you know, uh, I think it was Stuart Atwell at yeah. the time, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a nightmare, um, you know, and... Uh, it was just one of them. It was a freak thing, um, you know. Obviously, everyone could see it wasn't a goal, um, and uh, you know there's all kinds of things going on. But listen, these things happen. At least I'm famous for, for something, anyway. <laughs> and it could have been all over before it started as well, because under under Brendan Rodgers, he sent you on loan to Derby, and you, you scored against Watford, obviously, on the final day of that season as well. Yeah, um, you know, again. Uh, football's a funny, a funny game, you know. Obviously, Brendan coming in, I wasn't part of the plans. Sent me off to Derby um, under Nigel Clough. We were really grateful for him taking me to the club at the time, and uh, it was quite an unusual situation. Your parent club allowing you to play against them, and uh, you know, obviously, I was delighted to score um, and I had a pretty decent game as well. So, um, although the result wasn't great, but. You know, Brendan ended leaving at the end of that season, I think he was, and, and Malky came in, and you know the rest is history. Really, it was it was probably the best thing to happen for me to to stay at the club. And did Malky early on say to you, you know, I want you to be a big part of of, of my plans here as well? Um, he just left it open, really. Obviously, at, at the time, the club, um, I, you know, was a bit limbo. I came back for pre-season. Malky just said, let's let's see how we, you go. You know, we've signed two or three players to maybe replace you. Uh, but you're part of the squad at the moment. You know, if you take your chance, then you know we'll build on that. And luckily enough, as the season went on, the early stages, I started to get more appearances. I was coming off the bench, and and then ultimately, you know, I think two or three months into the season, Malky made me the captain. And you know, again, you know, the the next two two and a half years were great. You mentioned being made captain there. How, how proud a moment that for you, and how satisfying is that for you, going from someone who was deemed not good enough, sent out on loan to come back and being within a year, you're captain of the club and one of the first names on the team sheet? Yeah, I think when I signed from Stoke, obviously I was captain at Stoke and, and, and left Stoke um, to join AD and, and AD tried to make me captain straight away, really. It wasn't really the, the right thing to do. Um, you know, so uh, I, I felt I had to earn the, the right to be the, the captain and um, obviously Malky saw, saw a lot in me and... Um, and, and you know it was a fantastic um, time for me and very proud to, to captain such a good club. Just just how good a job did Malky do? I mean, I mean on limited resources, had to you know focus on a lot of the youth team players and focus on bringing young players in on loan from other clubs and free transfers as well. So just how good a job did he do that in those couple of seasons? 
Well, I think everyone can see the, the, the fantastic work he did, and I, I think the staff he had at the time were great, and Kurz and, and Daishi as well. You know, he had a really good uh, good core of senior players in the in the at the club and, and some really exciting young players coming through and, and everyone kind of bought into what was needed to do to keep the, 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 the club in the league and to kick on and you could see we had a really good spirit and you know the loans at the time were really good and uh, you know it was just run really well from, from top to bottom really. And how good was Malky as a manager as well? What was he like in terms of leading the team and his man management that side of things? Yeah man management was great you know you knew him as a player you know he'd been promoted three or four times at the championship, you know, he was a, a leader of men, and and obviously then going into being a manager, um, he took all his leadership skills um, from being a player into into that, and uh, you know he certainly wanted the he, he let the, the lads want to play for him, yeah. Relegation favourites that season as well, but it was that that win on the open again. They had the season against Norwich three two. The day that obviously Troy Deeney signed for the club as well, he was thrust into it on the bench. Danny Graham and Marvin Sordell hitting it off right from the beginning as well. But how important of a win was that and to set the tone for the rest of the season that year as well? Yeah, as you say, we were one of the favourites to be relegated. And uh, I think Norwich, although they've been promoted the season before, were probably one of the favourites to, to, to do a double promotion. So to go there on the first day, on uh, it was a really difficult uh, ask, but it really set the tone for the season for us. And, um, you know, we, we had a fantastic win. I think I scored the first goal in that game as well. So, um, you know, it was a good all round. You mentioned scoring goals. I want to bring you on to overhead kicks. Obviously, we know what, you know what you, you did in a couple of games there, but when did you know that you had that in your locker? Well, you know, I've always known I've got the overhead kick. You know, I do it every day in training. And No, I'm only joking. Um, no, you listen, you, you, if you don't uh, give it a go, you never know, do you? So, um, obviously, it worked on that day. I'm sure I've done a lot from my, throughout my career where I probably missed the ball or it's gone over the bar or over the stand. But, um, you know, that one against Coventry was uh, obviously a special special goal and, um, you know, one which uh, will live for me for... Forever, I suppose. And I think from that, there's a video of you on YouTube. It's called John Eustace, Master of the Overhead Kicks. It's still on there. It's going around. It's doing really well still. But that Coventry one, what do you remember about that one? Yeah, as I say, I just remember a corner, second phase, Stephen McGinn heading it over to me and, uh, you know, just taking a chance. And, and luckily, I think the goalie was about five foot five and it went over his head. So, uh, yeah. He did one the following season against Barnsley as well. Another memorable one. Yeah, definitely, and I think I scored twice in that game as well. And um, you know, it's as I say, if you don't have a go, you you never know. So um, yeah, quite fortunate, really. Danny Graham that season under Malky as well, the best striker in the championship for sure, wasn't he? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, you know, Danny's uh, had a fantastic career, and uh, we were very fortunate at the time to to really probably see the best of him. And he, he was scoring goals for fun. He was a pleasure to play with. He, you know, we had a good partnership as well. I knew where his runs were going to go and. You know, he's, um, he's a good pro and, you know, a good servant for the club, for sure. And Troy obviously came in on the first day under Malky. Bit of a difficult one for him in that first season where he was playing out wide at times, but fair play to him, he was doing his bit, playing out of position for the team. And then under Dyke, under Sean, he kicked on. And then after that little misdemeanour, he came back under Zayla and he's not looked back since. So what was he like when you worked with him and how impressed have you been with him since? Yeah, Troy signed from Warsaw as a young boy, I think 22, 21, 22, I think possibly. And, uh, you know, potentially you could see that, you know, he, he could be a top, top player. And uh, that first season, I think it was a great learning curve for him. He, he'd obviously jumped up a couple of levels and you could see um, he was willing to learn. His attitude was fantastic. And, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me now that he's one of the top strikers in, in the Premiership because his self-belief is 
is unbelievable as well, and that's a lot of thing. That is a massive thing that you need. And he's a confident boy, and um, you know he deserves everything he gets. He, he works his socks off, and you know he's a. I think he's a legend at Watford now, and, and fully deserved. And you know he's a top man. When you were there, did you ever see him fulfilling like a captain or leadership role? Because he's he's really developed that over the past couple of years, the leadership and leading from the front as well. Yeah, as I said, he signed as a young boy, but he was still very confident. Do you know what I mean? He was a confident boy, and 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 the the, the better he's become, you know, that confidence is obviously uh, over. Well, it, it's you can see it on the pitch developing, but also in the dressing room. Then, as as I was leaving, he was more vocal, more of a leader. Uh, and, and really led by example as well. And as you say, that you know that year with uh, Gianfranco, the, my last year, you know him and Vidra, the partnership them two had was was uh, frightening. And uh, you know Troy hasn't looked back since then really, and he's just got better and better. Someone who you played with who's still at the club is Adrian Mariapa, or someone who's solid but unspectacular and always can be reliable and to do a job for the team. How good was he when you were there as well? Yeah, he was top. You know, he's. Um, Again, and probably a Watford legend now as well. You know, um, a real good, good pro, um, someone that you want to go in the trenches with. And um, you know, I'd, it was a, it was an honour to play with him back then. He really led by example again. And you know, it's people like that who kept the the club in in the championship at such a difficult period. And um, again, fully deserves everything that he gets. Sean Dyche after him. Great first season at Watford, 11th place against all odds really as well. Could you see then that he was going to go on to be a top top manager as well? Yeah, of course. It's similar to Ma- uh, Malky, you know, you could see why them two work so well together. And uh, Daishi's man management is, is, is second to none. It's, it's top and, um, you know, you can see he gets the best out of players and... And at the time, you know, maybe we were punching a little bit above our weight, but that that came down to to good staff and 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 having the, a, a good a good set of players in there as well, wanting to do what he wanted. And that's that summer as well after that season with the takeover going on. It seems like after the takeover had happened, there was new players coming every week. You know, you had Al Mooney, you had Fitzhall, and then towards the end of the window, it seemed like it was players coming in every single week. As, as a captain, how difficult was that for you to, to handle back then with new players coming in and having, having to bed them into the squad as well? Well, I think it, it, it wasn't that difficult because I was injured, obviously. So, you know, I wasn't out on the, fi- on the field with them. Um, but, I mean, to be fair, the... The players coming in were top top players. You know, they weren't journeymen, foreign players. They were all top top players, and and the profile of the club was rising. Yeah, you know, and the only difficulty for me was um, was that I wasn't part of it, and it was a really frustrating uh, period of of my career at Watford. But you know, everything that the the owners did and, and what they're doing now is, has been really really good, really positive, and you can see Watford. Uh, you know, an established Premiership team, and, and that was always going to happen as soon as they took over. Mm. You mentioned it a bit being difficult for you to watch on from the sidelines as well. That that season going on to the playoffs and the Leicester moment will, will never ever be forgotten. Playoff final as well, and it, you mentioned there being being so difficult for you to look on and thinking. I think Zola even mentioned at the time as well that he'd liked, he thought you could you could have done a, done a job that season and been an important part of the team as well. Yeah, but that's football, you know, unfortunately I had a lot of injuries throughout my career and it's how you, you bounce back and obviously it was a really frustrating period but then I had two fantastic years after that at Derby, you know, so, um, you know, it's all part of being a footballer and, um, you know, I, I certainly don't look back at anything with regrets, everything happens for a reason and, um, you know, it's just uh, 
just uh, happy to be part of, of the squad uh, when he took over. And what was Jan Franco like to work with as well? I imagine for some of the younger players and the strikers as well, to, to learn from such a legend of the game must have been fantastic. Yeah, Jan Franco is a fantastic manager and, um, you know, uh, a legend in the game, you know, um, and, uh, you know, someone that I've got a lot of uh, admiration for, a lot of respect for, and I'm sure he'll come back and, and, and be a, a very successful manager again. And, um, you know, it was a bit surreal, really, him coming in and, and being the manager for such a status he's got in the game. But, um, you know, he, he was different class and, and someone I still speak to now. Great. And obviously the owners as well. Watford don't hear so much from, from Gino Pozzo, but they see a little bit of Scott Duxbury as well. Yeah. During your time, what, did you have any, have any main, main dealings with them? And if so, what, what are they like as people as well? Yeah, I, I spoke to Scott uh, a fair bit. You know, obviously he offered me, uh, me the coaching role with Gianfranco and... You know, Scott's done an amazing job at the club and um, there's a lot of people who work behind the scenes who have helped that club um, develop and, 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 as I say, become a top premiership um, outfit. And, um, you know, without people like Scott, you know, the club wouldn't be doing as well as they're doing. So, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Scott. And how, how difficult is it for you, to the way you left Watford as well, and the fact that you didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to the Watford fans, he still hold you in such high regard as well? Yeah, well, of course it was difficult, and uh, I went back there with Derby, and I think we, we beat them, which, you know, did, yeah. which, which was nice, but obviously it wasn't the, it wasn't a, uh, the way I would have wanted to say goodbye, mm-hmm. but um, listen, no, um, I think they know that the respect I got for them, and I know that I've, you know, I've got respect um, from them as well, so um, you know, there's, there's a mutual respect there, and um, as I say, Watford are very close to my heart and a, and a club I always look out for. And you must be proud of the fact that Watford fans still hold you in such high regard, and the fact that Gian Franco as well in that last season still wanted you to be a big part of the team as well. Yeah, definitely, and, and I think the comments after uh, the season, after I think he went on record and, and, and said that you know maybe they made a mistake in in not re-signing me as a player, you know, because obviously I, I'd kicked on again and. Uh, played at Derby, uh, which was which was which was uh, you know a real nice thing for him to say. So um, no, listen, that's football. These things happen, but uh, there's certainly no hard feelings. And since then, we've gone, Watford have gone to a completely whole new level in the Premier League. The stadium looks fantastic now. What have you made of the club's progress? It's class, you know, it's brilliant, and and a, a big part of that, I think, they've got a big. Uh, uh, core of British players, top young British players, and um, you know the club are going to be fine. They've had a bit of a, a rocky start, but they've, again they've got another good manager in. The last manager was a top manager. You know the the players in there are, are all top players, so um, you know I think the club's in a in a good position, and um, you know it's. Uh, it's exciting times ahead, I'm sure. You were talking to him about Hughesy as well before we before we chat had a chat. Yeah. Fantastic player, and you, you've learned a lot. You've seen him at, at Derby as well, and all the talent that he he's got. Yeah, Will Hughes is one of the you know the best players that you know I uh, I played with in the Championship for sure. He could take a ball in a in a phone box and, and not lose it. You know, uh, it's nice to see him developing well. He's always going to be a Premiership player, and um, you know he's he's got to bring a few more goals to the team. I'm sure, and I'm sure he'll be the first to say that and, and create. But um, listen, he's a top player, and, and Watford are lucky to have him. Yeah. This season's been a bit of a difficult start for Watford, you know, having Garcia going, Kiko Sanchez-Flores coming back, the win against Norwich before the international break. 
seemed absolutely massive in terms of the confidence of the squad with big games coming up against Burnley and Southampton with the likes of Hughes and Troy and you know you, you Delafeu's in the squad and Ben Foster as well I'm sure you, you'll back them to, to get out of this hopefully yeah definitely 100% I think there was great signs against Norwich you're certainly going to get out of it and with Troy coming back into the squad as well it gives everyone a big lift you know even when he's on the bench I think he was at Norwich you know that'll give the rest of the squad a lift the fans and um, you know he'll relish the the uh, the challenge ahead, and um, you know I'm sure he'll score the goals to to move the club up. But if he doesn't, you know the, the squad you've got there is is top, so you'll be absolutely fine. And lastly, to finish it off, if you had to look back and pick out one moment from your Watford career that really stands out for you, what would it be? Would it be the Coventry one? Um, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, you know um, I think uh, obviously you don't forget your debut. My debut, we, we played Wolves at home. I think we won three 0 So. You know that you know there's loads of loads of good memories at the club, and um, as I say, I certainly won't forget forget them. So that was my chat with former Watford captain and midfielder John Eustace and it's great to see him doing so well at QPR alongside Mark Warburton and I'm sure John's going to be a great coach. I've seen a little bit of his work and around the plays there and I've met him a couple of times in person since that interview so he's a fantastic person to deal with and I really hope to see him do well at QPR and his coaching career I'm sure will go from strength to strength and I hope we'll see John back down at Vicarage Road soon. He's been away for a while and I think the club dessert really, really, really need to get John involved and get him back on match day so he can really have a proper send-off from the fans. It was lovely to hear about his goals against Coventry and Barnes or who can forget them, particularly the one against Coventry. Um, and he would have loved to have played more under Jan Franco Zola in his final season at Vicarage Road, I know. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Vicarage Road Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Bradley. Hayden 11 uh, and we're also available on SoundCloud iTunes and Acast if you just search a trip down Vicarage Road you'll be able to find one of our podcasts and you'll be able to listen again to this podcast as well and we're also on Podfollow as well I'm always open to suggestions to other guests that you'd like to see on the podcast so if you have got an idea of a guest that you'd like me to try and get up get an interview with please feel free to send me an email on a trip down Vicarage Road at gmail.com or you can tweet me on at Vicarage Road Pod or at Bradley Hayden 11. Thanks once again for tuning in. Obviously, Watford have got massive games against Burnley, Southampton coming up. So games that we really need to be getting wins from. Um, and you ha- if you have enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to listen to one of our other ones that are available at the moment. And I'll be back soon where I'll speak to another Watford legend.